Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I'm Jack Pelzer, one half of your hosting squad. Dan will be joining me shortly. We're recording this live now on YouTube at 3 p.m. on Thursdays. That's central time on the Top Step YouTube channel. We had a great time today. The topic is a very important one. It's about how much to risk. Now, that means a few different things. How much of your personal assets should you dedicate towards day trading? Hint, don't put in what you're not willing to lose. It's also what percent of that account should be your daily loss limit, how to change your loss limit with market conditions. We go into a lot of good stuff. So without further ado, I'll bring in Dan. See you after. Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to the Market Recap combined with Limit Up Podcast. I am Dan Hodge. When you haven't seen me all week, thanks to uh, John Hoagland filling in for me. I've been uh, a little busy. Uh, but Jack, Jack is here. You guys know what that means. It's Thursday. We're talking Limit Up. I'm excited, Jack. We got a cool topic today. Yep. Welcome. I was just troubleshooting my recording device. I tipped my light over earlier today. It has been a great day in audiovisual for me. <laughs> But the good news is we've got a great topic today. We're talking about how much to risk, i.e. what you're going to risk each day, each week, how to treat your account in general, how much you're all sorts of good stuff as far as that goes. We get a lot of questions around that. So, Dan, it's going to be a good one. So I'll let you do your recap first here. Absolutely. Well, let's just get a quick run through what's going on in these markets. Crude oil actually relatively quiet here today, opened up higher Um we hit that wall up at 88.50. Uh, that market started to rotate back inside. We actually saw a nice $2 move from high to low all the way down to 86.50. Going to end our day uh, about 30 cents below settlement price, so slightly down. Um, but that's not the big energy that we want to talk about. I, I think at the end of this, I want to just talk a little bit about natural gas and the move we saw there today. A $3 move and a $4 product, that was pretty wild. Mm -hmm. That was a face ripper. Uh, oh, my gosh. And then right back down. Uh, you got S&P 500 opens up this morning well above uh, settlement price, but we get that close the gap back to settlement price. We kind of hit that wall of rejection right at point of control from yesterday, um, and that market rotated back inside. Remember, there's a lot going on uh, geopolitically. Um, there's a lot happening as it comes to the Fed, um, interest rates, inflation. There's so many things happening that these markets, these equity markets, they are a little, uh, a little on edge. So any chance that there's a sell, you got to be cautious of that. And the same thing goes for NASDAQ as well. NASDAQ opened up this morning, tried to really push higher. It made an attempt, um, but there really was no follow through on the upside move. And so just like S&Ps, that market rotated back inside. Um, and we're seeing down a little bit on both those products. S&P only down 0.6. Where the Nasdaq's down 1.4%. Gold too. You know, usually you think, oh, equities down, gold should be up. Well, not quite the case. Um, interest rates, that's going to kind of put a little bit of a squeeze on gold and treasuries. So you got gold down almost 2%. Uh, that market opened up lower, continued lower all day. So did the euro. And then the 10-year note. 10-year note. 2 million contracts traded here today. Big time. Huge, big time volume. Huge number, right? Big volume, Jack. That market opened up just below settlement price and tried to recover some of the break we saw yesterday in that market. Could not recover at all, um, but going to resolve just slightly higher. Um, not a huge, huge upside move. About 0.1% is where we're going to kind of end the day. So we have a lot going on there. Jack, let's... 
I know we have topics here, um, but I love the idea of talking a little bit about natural gas. Yeah, and one thing I'll add, like, we got to talk a little bit. We're releasing this the same day. Um, you know what else was down today with the market? Uh, you know, we got war, we got everything else. The VIX was down. Uh, I got the VIX down 3 or 4%. With the stocks down, what a weird day. And then everyone jumping into the Treasury after the Fed had their say yesterday. It looks like people were waiting for that to get in. So let's talk natural gas, where uh, if there's a VIX for natural gas, it was not down. It was not down. Well, you know what? I think natural gas right now really aligns with this conversation we want to talk about. We want to talk about how much I'm supposed to risk. Um, natural gas for the last year has been a crazy volatile product. If we're talking VIX, we're, we're seeing crazy high numbers in natural gas over this last year. When you're trading natural gas, when it goes up 2,000 ticks um, like nothing, you got to be, there's a point where that's too much risk for anyone trading it outright. If you're in spreads, if you're hedged and you're covered, yeah, there's a chance there. But from an outright perspective, getting in something like the natural gas I'm, I don't have big enough pockets to outright trade natural gas. I don't know a lot of people that do. Um, there's no such thing as, you know, you can put a stop loss. Yeah. What's that going to do? Well, uh, let me just see. I'm just doing a little Googling here for a question I probably already know. I'm trying to think what could be going on with natural gas. Well, who are the top producers of natural gas in the world? Number one is the United States. Okay, that seems good. Uh, followed by Russia. Yeah. Uh, I think there's yep. something going on there. Iran, Qatar, China, and uh, jolly old Canada. But uh, I think hey, that... Hey, I got to really quick correct you. Um, Cutter. You said Qatar. It's Cutter. Cutter. It's Cutter. I was, I, w I was reading phonetically as I went through it. I knew it was Cutter, <laughs> but I was hoping some wise ass wouldn't... Uh... <laughs> I had to. I had to. I had to. Yeah. So, so t tell us about this, Dan. It's, it's the move that he's talking about is insane. It happened towards the end of the day. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at it before he went on. I just saw Mick talking about it. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't personally looked at it a ton, but you, we do know there's a lot going on with Russia. Russia has been this volatile location as it applies to energies, crude oil, natural gas. When, when you do have um, tensions rising between the United States um, and Russia as, in regards to Ukraine, that's really what's causing this this concern we're seeing this spike um that's really what's uh, what's happening here uh so y you know that there are political geopolitical things at play when you're trading in these markets you have to be aware of every single one of those if they affect your product you know if you're trading something like i don't know lean hogs tensions between the u.s and russia probably not gonna have a huge effect there um, but you're trading an energy product, natural gas. You know there are those pipelines going through Russia right now that are kind of leaning into the U, uh, into the um, the EU. So there are going to be some major uh, major factors in there. So you got to be always just aware when approaching these. And I think it aligns with this conversation today. How much do I risk? Well, we've heard for the last three or four days a lot going on with Ukraine, Russia, United States got to be cautious in products like this. Well, it's rare. This is when it's, you know, you back away from it or even maybe um, stay out of it unless you have a really good idea what you're doing. Because usually with sort of uh, headline risk, it's unexpected. But 
I mean, everybody, we fully expect there to be headline risk for energy products in the next couple of weeks. And people who are retail traders usually aren't the ones running, you know, tape reading algorithms and things like that is that, uh, boy, you better have your, like we talked about last week, better have your, uh, doomsday stops in just in case because things can move and move fast. And there's probably, you know, I assume the liquidity is lower. I assume that people are kind of ready for that sort of movement. So watch out. Um, and it ties in that as we were talking about today, we're going to talk about how much to risk. And that's a broad question. And I think in its simplest form, what you got to decide when you're going out to trade in general, when you're opening an account or whatever is how much money can I lose? You have to consider it lost in some way. You can't be putting your rent money into a brokerage account. That's a recipe for disaster. How much money can I lose? And, uh, I'll be upset, but I am not going to be ruined by it. It's kind of how I would look at it, Dan. you have anything to add there? Jack, I would completely agree. I actually said that we had uh, the Top Step training hour yesterday, the webinar, where we sat down with a few other um, industry uh, traders, and we were kind of talking about that, and that was one of the same things I said. I go, when you get into trading, you know, you, there's a lot of people talk about fear. You cannot be afraid to lose the money you put in. If it's money that you're going to lose sleep over if you lose it from a retail perspective. If this is your career, I get it. There's a little difference. Mm -hmm. um, but from a retail perspective, you know, if you're just getting into this or you're still rather green in this industry, you're not putting up the kind of money um, that you, you know, risks the roof over your head or the car that you drive to your regular job. You know, those are things you cannot put at risk. So the money that goes into the market, you really, really need to be thinking about the Jack, are you drinking an IPA? No, it's sort of, it's my, oh. my business IPA. We get to do a plug here. We're on YouTube so we can see me, by the way. <laughs> it is a Lagunitas Hoppy Refresher. You'll see very prominently it says zero alcohol. Well, backwards, I think, because right. I'm mirrored. But uh, no, it is like a hoppy carbonated water. It's quite delightful. But you're right, it's turned heads at meetings lately when it's like <laughs> 9 a.m. Like, we're drinking beers already? Hey, man world's uh, exploding stocks are down you know gotta get something to take the edge off but um that the truth yeah and once you decide uh sort of what you can lose once you're comfortable with that number that's going to influence next the sort of things that you want to trade because every product is going to have a different size and margin and level of volatility and if you have just a little bit of money or a lot of money, it's going to change your universe of what you should go after. That's a great point, Jack. And you got to think about it from a trading perspective, just because you have, let's just say you take five grand, you open up a trading account. If you start trading, you know, crude oil, you start trading e-minis, um, things of that nature. It's pretty quick. Those margin calls start coming. Um, so you do have to actually put up a good chunk of cash to really start entering into these markets. And those are things you really want to think, think about. Yeah, that's why the um, micro contracts are a good option for people that are getting into those in brokerage accounts. And especially um, even if you can trade the full size, you know, unless you're scalping, the, the commission structure is not great for micro contracts. It's much more than if you were to trade a full one. But for a lot of the account sizes that we see, uh, the flexibility you have to tailor your size if you're only taking you know, five trades a day or something, 
I think it's a great reason to use the micros if you're doing something like that. I mean, we. I think micros are such a great product. Yeah, we rarely see people trade too small for their account size. That's almost a problem yeah. I've never seen. I I would agree. I think you know you think you have, okay, Nasdaq. It's five dollars a tick. If I'm trading, you know, let's just say ten contracts. It's fifty bucks a fifty dollars a tick. I've got going there, um, and I I got. I got $4,000. I got $3,000 of risk here. That's not a problem, but it's amazing how quick that can go. Yeah, absolutely. So other considerations here. So you got to consider the margin. And then um, that's directly related to the volatility. I put it separately, but like we said, size and volatility are linked in what you trade. You can't have, I see especially beginning traders be too locked into the same way we talked about stops last week, how they'll have set stock tick values or dollar values. Um, it's the same thing with size. It's just, this is my loss limit every day. This is my profit limit every day. This is the size I trade on every trade and stuff like that. Those are all things that should be dynamic and increase far more slowly than they decrease. Like you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't raise your limits and size just because you had one good day. But if a market state changes and you get dinged and volatility is way up, you can cut your risk limits the next day and cut your size. That's just smart. You, it has to be dynamic. Markets are dynamic. Our controls have to be dynamic as well. Yeah. And just for the other traders out there that are trading, say, stocks or things like that, you need to consider things like the pattern uh, day trader rule. So look that up if you are not familiar with it. But basically... You know, it can get pretty expensive. You have to hold, and I hope I don't misquote, it's $25,000 in their accounts if you meet certain criteria. And that's why it's hard for a lot of people to trade uh, stocks in that way. So, yeah, you're putting up a lot of capital. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of capital. And, you know, if you have $25 to sling, good on you. I mean, like, fine, as long as that's the money that you can lose and not be ruined. Um,. Best of luck to you there. And that can really go into an even bigger topic, Jack, that maybe we can delve into one day about just allocation, you know, percentages. Where where do you put stuff? You know, you have a retail trading account. You've got an investing account. You know, two different hats. you got to wear two different hats for everything you do. How are you adjust? Or how are you allocating all of your, your cash that you're willing to you put into which kind of accounts and what style are you going to do with each one of them? I mean, it really grows. And your retail or your trading account, your day trading account, that's one of those accounts you, you got to be okay with saying, hey, it can go. Yeah, we can t like touch on, we can do a whole episode on that, but just to like briefly touch on me, for instance, even though I like to trade and stuff like that, vast majority of my um, assets are in index funds. And I have a ton of index. I'm involved in a private equity firm. I got stuff there. My day trading stuff versus my long-term trading stuff. Everything's a little bit different. Um, yeah. You know, I don't have 50% of my, my cash sitting in a day trading no. account. That, that doesn't in work In fact, I even go further than that where it's like, then I have an account. Because you can look at all the academic papers. You're generally not, you know, if you beat, if you're just picking stocks for the long term, you could get lucky. But you're probably not going to beat the index funds. Nevertheless, I still do that a little bit. So I have a smaller account that's still bigger than my day trading account. That's like my discretionary, uh, you know, 
I'm not YOLOing things, but it's more of a YOLO account where it's like, ah, I'm picking my ponies here. That's where I get my stocks I like and stuff like that. And then the smallest account of all is like, this is an actively traded account. And mm-hmm. that is money that I obviously want to make money, but I, I, it's not going to materially affect my life if things go south there. Yeah, I think my biggest my biggest account is uh, probably my snowmobile slush fund. <laughs> you and JD. Um, I got a lot of money sitting in my snowmobiles and uh, <clears throat> proud of it. Yeah, that's what Warren Buffett <laughs> always said to do. Um, the next thing, like once you figure out how much you're willing to expend trading, the next section is kind of why I wanted to talk about this topic today because I think this is now gets into actual trading strategy. People ask us all the time, very people, few people follow it. So I'm going to give a few real world examples. Mm-hmm. So this next section is how much, where you start setting your limits for a daily loss limit. Because that's probably the most important one in a lot of ways. So we'll start with that. And people ask a lot of what should my daily loss limit be in um, regards to my account. I will say that when I was, I was just doing the math today and going back to uh, my P&L for past years and what my puke limit, as we call it, would be it the um, in the industry. And the way I worked it out is that my stop loss limit or puke limit was about 5% of uh, what I had made in profits in the previous 12 months. Now, when you trade for a company, it works a little bit differently. I had a lot of money in the firm, but it wasn't like having a brokerage account. The firm is providing all the backing for capital. So it's not like you have an account, but it is, you know, you're tying up their capital by being in these positions. But that gives you an idea. How much you make in a year shouldn't be risking more than 5% of that a day. Now, that's hard when you get to smaller accounts, but that's what the professionals are doing, if not less. All right. If I lost 5% a day, that was still a big, that was a not good day that I would not want to repeat and was not at all having a good time. When people start losing 10, 20, 30, 50, blowing out their account in a day, um, as we said before, you lose 50% of your account, you got to make 100% on that to get back to scratch. Fractions are a cruel mistress. And I'll tell you, Jack, you know, you talk about this. This is on based off of 12 months of profits. That 12 months isn't sitting in that account. So you're trailing. Your stop is going to be kind of set in a place of 5%, but you're not keeping 100% of those profits in that account right there, right? No. Yeah, it was It was also translated to the, these were all done in dollar amounts. It wasn't. So when you work for a firm, uh, what's kind of nice is you still have to be your own risk manager, but the law is also there, right? You have a risk management team that will give you the dreaded shoulder tap if uh, you're flirting with that and make you get out. Or they can always just liquidate their positions themselves if you really wanted to hang around there. So there is that out. Now, it was all in dollar terms. And how it would work there is if you wanted a higher puke limit, you would have to go to the risk team, ask for it, and then explain why. And I would encourage people to do that yourself. Don't just raise it for, you know, ass and giggles, so to speak. Um, be able to ask the why. 
you got to do it for yourself. You have to have a, like if you're doing this on your own too. It cannot. You're you're the risk department and the trader when you're doing it solo, and you can't ask yourself that question in the middle of a trading day when you need more room. I've seen that way too many times. You know, with traders where I'll talk to them and say, "Hey, let's set a daily. You know, you've got a loss limit of, you know, let's just <clears throat> use a dollar value here of a thousand dollars in the day. That's your loss limit. You got to be done there." And I'll talk to them again at their they're down 990 and go hey I think you know I'm starting to see the market better now let's think about hey, what do you think about me going to 1500 I go no why would you do this your emotions are involved you can't same thing when you'd go to you know Jack if you, Jack went to his risk manager and he's at his five percent mark and it's only nine o'clock in the morning and he goes to him and says hey let's open me up to 10 guys come on just give me a little more they're gonna look at him and go Get out of here. We can talk about this, you know, next week. This isn't something you're going to talk about now. You're you're too connected. Yeah, the they would never the something that would never ever ever happen at a trading firm is to expand your daily loss limit while you had a position on. Um, very rarely the loss limits would get expanded, but I'll give you it'll make sense why is you know if you're running monthly number strategies for instance like we trade a lot around unemployment there would occasionally be things where something would go awry and you would kind of blow out to your puke limit very quickly but you'd be completely flat and then you would leave like and then rather than just let the firm dormant after that's already passed they might depending on your personal history and stuff expand it and say okay you could trade the rest of the day with this limit um, mm -hmm. but never like, oh, this is going against me. Give me a little more. It's like, no, uh, you should have, if you're worried about that, you should reduce the position before yeah. you got there. Right. You shouldn't be in this situation. There's no point in yeah. having limits if you're not going to adhere to them. Yeah. We, we were definitely a little bit different where I was at first off, you know, we were option side. There's a, there's really no limit where you can get shut off. Um, you get, you get the tap. You got to start working to delta neutral. Um, that's usually how it worked. Kind of what we would do is we kept a certain amount within that account, and we'd keep a certain amount in the account. We had, you know, good. We were good with um, clearing firms and everything. So we had certain amounts in the account. Then we had separate accounts, you know, with Burling Bank, which is a big bank attached into the Chicago Board of Trade. I think every trader's yeah. had an account at Burling. Uh, you'd keep cash in Burling. You couldn't pull money out of that account. You'd keep that there. That was that safety net that you could transition in. Um, if you brought below a certain level, the goal was obviously to continue to grow that. But you were you were pulling out. I typically were. I think we were we were closer to about once a month. We'd pull from trading account, put to Burling. Burling then would we would pull we would get our our chunk out of Burling. That's kind of how it worked for us. We'd go through the bank. Um, but you always had to kind of keep a safety net within your bank account that's attached to the firm um, and to the uh, the clearing firm as well. And then we would keep a certain amount within that account. And then after you, after you brought it down, usually the number with the numbers that we ran, if you brought your running total or your balance um, down 25 to 35%, that's where you had to start getting delta neutral and get support. Yeah. I think that basically the reason that we're saying these things is to show that if you're really paying attention to risk management, the amount you're willing to risk of your account is lower than a lot of traders seem to think. I think the smaller the account, and this is why too, when we talked earlier about what product, I know Forex trading is much more popular and people often use it to seek leverage with um, 
the idea that, well, I only have a thousand bucks for an account, but I can get 200 to one leverage here. So I can, um, you know, it's like, I could trade, like I got 200,000. I could just completely make a million. Well, and that's, that's where that gambling starts to come into play. Yeah. That's a lot of, you know, and I do want to clarify one thing, you know, when I say down 25%, that would have been typically versus a profitable day. That number, that 25% was still about half of what an average to an average to good winning day was. So like even our losing days, um, they weren't days that are going to bury us or take us a week or two to get out of. We were set, we, it was different too. When you work for prop firm, you do have chances for higher chances of success because you have a lot of people invested in your success too. Um, I was very fortunate with the mentors and the group of guys that I was I was with. You know, it's not just one person, me looking at it all and thinking this is what I have to do. I got guys that are there to support me. I got I have help. Um, you know, I'm in, I'm in a room with 13 or 14 different guys all doing the exact same thing, and we're working together. And it was always a team effort because, you know, our pay was not based off of personal success. It was te- we were on a team we were on team pay. Everyone had certain percentage based off of team. So you were working together in a team, which was really cool from a prop world. And I will in a minute get to retail world too. I think that's important to know. I, I want to touch on that too. Um, but that's kind of how this worked. When you work in a, we worked in a team. And so you always, you, I can't tell you, I, I could probably count on one hand in a year how many times that group of guys got to that, that shutdown day. Um, it wasn't often. Yeah, and those will differ depending on what the strategy it is that you're pursuing and what your win-loss ratios and things like that. Um, the more subjective thing is, so daily loss limit you got to have, it's when it gets to the, if you're going to have a weekly or monthly or when do you kind of like, that's a little more complicated. If I lost, I would reduce my size and then just keep on going until I got a feel for the market again. But weekly or monthly loss limits weren't really a thing it's like if you ran up enough something like that it's like you either get fired or you don't um so like what what do you think about that as far as looking at the longer term risk i'll come at it from two perspectives here because i do want to i love talking the prop i want to talk retail too yeah um you know from a prop world you weren't you weren't allowed to get to a point that you had to have a weekly loss limit you know you were shut down you were told get the hell out of here. Um, you're you're out for the week. Like take a week off. Um, There's never a question about on a monthly. Like if you had a down month, it was it was a relatively controlled down month. Um, you know, one of the firms I worked at was my dad's firm. He somehow went 30 years without ever having a down month. So he had high expectations of all of us that we weren't supposed to have down months. So you were really cautious about that. And those are things that you, when you're in these teams and, and you're working in the big firms, there's a lot of protections. Like, yeah, you've heard about it. I've been up, I've, I've watched a firm go catastrophic and have a loser take out an entire firm, um, you know, which is frightening. And those are when you're trading way outside of controls. Now, I want to talk about on the, the retail side of things, you know, futures, day trading, um, you know, daily loss limits, you can kind of, I, you got to have a daily, a weekly, and a monthly for yourself. 
um, that daily that daily's got to be pretty calculated, right? You can look back through your trade history. You can kind of understand where that there's a switch. You're going to flip a switch. And if it's number of trades, if it's actual dollar values, you can kind of start to see where your trading goes. Hey, I, you know, I brought it down a thousand dollars a contract and I've recovered pretty well from there. Um, but it's as soon as I get to 1500, that's where the switch flips. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm belly up. You can start to you got to start to find those threads. You start doing that in a simulated environment so you can kind of learn those things. And then you tighten it up a little bit more from there. Um, and then typically for me on a weekly, like if you have two days like that in a row, you got to be done. Um, you don't want to continue to bury yourself. That's how I look at it there. And at a monthly, you know, if you've had two down weeks um, that you've hit that weekly limit for yourself, take a week off. Come back in, start really small, go check out micros, one lot's there, get your rhythm back. Um, that's how I personally would stress to any retail or day trader out there. Really, you got to be strict. You got to keep it tight too, especially if you're outrights. Outrights are a deadly product if you're not protecting yourself. Yeah. And, you know, your, your weekly loss limit shouldn't be something like even, it shouldn't be three times. So I'm trying to think back to like what the numbers work out to and uh say you had it three times your daily loss limit was your weekly well if you're doing like five percent then you're losing 15 percent a week that's a lot to lose and once again the, it is the takeaway from this is just that these percent losses are should be tighter than we see a lot of uh retail traders trading with yeah 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 keep in mind when you let's just keep it simple here if you're coming in let's use top step you have a 150k account you have access to some size i get it it's exciting we want to want to take some shots um you got forty five hundred dollars risk on day one anyone that says that gets close to that three thousand dollar daily loss limit your trading is out of hand yes like if i have 40 if i have forty five hundred dollars of risk that i'm trading with like you know, one and two percent growth on that forty five hundred is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for anything huge. I gotta slowly step it up, and then you get to ten grand. Maybe at ten grand you can consider two contracts, um, but it, keep it small. You know, this there's no rush here, and that's the biggest thing. Like take your time, because you're gonna get the day where natural gas rips up two thousand ticks in your favor, and you've set yourself up that you've managed your risk to get to that point, you can capitalize on something like yeah. that. Yeah, so the takeaways before we go to the outro, so to speak, here is um, I wrote down, uh, these are common pitfalls and things to avoid, is risking too large a percent in a day for your daily loss limit, not tailoring your loss limit to the market conditions, either increasing too fast or decreasing too slowly. And lastly, um, being loose with those numbers as far as not accounting for things like slippage. If you have a hard, this is more to people who are in the combine and stuff. If you have a hard thing that's going to break a rule or something, you can't set your stop uh, right in front of it or something and just expect that it's going to execute correctly for you. You got to give yourself a little bit of padding there. So those were my three takeaways, Dan. I like it, Jack. We do have uh, a question Shoot here away. I find kind of interesting. Uh, coming, and I want to say hello to everyone. I, I 
I first off, I want to shout out to Hogue. Thank you for covering on the recaps here this week. You're not going to see much of me in the coming weeks. I do have a lot coming up, so John is going to be uh, taking over a lot of these recaps, but I will continue to be here for the podcast. Uh, so huge shout out to Hogue, and thanks for all these comments here, guys. David, Bill, Spencer, Norman, Frederico, uh, Mickey, Charles. Charles, I saw you had a question in there. We'll jump into that in a second. Mike, Spencer, um, Autolicious, uh, Deg, good to see you. Mike, uh, Mr. Presto, I see you got a question Mr. here. Mr. Presto. Um, and uh, Luck, good to see you. Um, Norman, good to see you as well. I got your question. I'm going to try and touch on all these here. Um, all right, first question here. When when uh, changing from a trader that trades one and two lots, who can allow for a little bit more risk um, that take or can take a larger position? Do they take a larger position in size? Do the trade entries and setups change along with frequency, or would trading a larger number of markets be better for overall risk? Jack, I'm going to hop on this one if you don't mind. Sure. Um, first and foremost, if you have room for risk, uh, make sure it's a lot of room. Um, you know, that's going to be one thing. I would not diversify products you're trading when you're starting to take on more risk. I'd focus on the product you're most comfortable with. But the key here is you have to be very quick to get right back to where you were. Um, so when you when you size up, there's going to be a huge mental change. If you're going from one to two, everything doubles. If you go from two to four, again, everything doubles there. And those are things you got to think about. So like you got to take mentally be controlled. If trading one lots, um, your average risk on a trade across the board, everything you've done takes about 250 bucks. That's where you kind of get shaken out and you like to get out of those trades. That's a $500 loser when you move to two lots. Those are things you got to mentally prepare for. You got to dance with the girl that brought you to. I would not go to other... Pro so what I mean by that is if you're trading more, it's presumably because you've grown your account with some strategy. So if you're sizing up, do the same thing, right? Uh, don't take more trades. Just uh, start upping the size in the same trades you were taking to get you to this point. That's great. Great there. Uh, Jack, Mr. Presto's asking, uh, can you guys do an episode discussing best practices in managing a funded account for, for newbies and some repeat offenders? I think that's a great topic to talk about. I, I could go on for days about that one. It is. We tried to do it at the end of last year, but we uh, hadn't got the podcast feed figured out yet. So yeah, always do it again. And that'd be a good one to invite people to ask questions during too, because we see a lot of data from the funded account. So we can uh, show you the do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. And then Norman's got a great question here. I can give some good examples on this. Uh, Norman, should we uh, should we have someone to be accountable to? I have two people that I download my day to, right or wrong. The wrong days stink, but uh, explain what I did. Norman, everyone should have some sort of mm -hmm. accountability. I've always said I think the best accountability partners are people that don't understand trading. You know, someone close to you, someone that can be blunt and honest with you. If you say my loss limit's $1,000 a day and I have a day where I'm down $2,000 and I go to my accountability person who doesn't understand trading and that like, hey, there's a little, you know, emotions get involved, they're going to look at you and go, I don't get this. You said no more than 1000 Like, why the hell would you do that? You wasted $1,000. Yeah. I agree. Accountability partner, any way you can get one, so important. It's the hardest thing about being your own boss or having – sort of discipline to anything, whether it's, um, you know, trading or working out or whatever else, it's hard to keep yourself in line. And that's something that I think not being at a firm or something makes it's an other sort of 
hurdle for um, retail traders, but there are a lot of groups and resources and people that you can talk to in or out of trading that can help you. Absolutely. Well, that's about all I got, I think, Jack. Well, that's great. In that case, uh, we'll just uh, run down our housekeeping, which is, uh, you know, keep checking out morning forecast and now the recap with hogue can't get enough hogue um let top step know feedback as far as what you want for future classes we're almost finished with trading foundation which has been great so far uh got coach's playbook at 11 30 on tuesdays and that's about it so dan good day to you good day to you thanks for uh signing in here and uh thanks for the comments everybody all right everybody out there signing it off namaste and trade well The Limit Up Podcast is a production of Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com. Our content is all over our YouTube channel. Just search Top Step YouTube. In the meantime, rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. We'd love to hear from it. See you next week.